Welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe, and I've got back for a second grab, Neil Graham from the city of Fort Myers. Uh, welcome back, Neil. Um, Thank you. This grab that we're going to talk about was more recent, what were we, like 2017? I believe somewhere in there, maybe 18. So if you want to hear about Neil and about the city of Fort Myers, uh, go back and listen to the previous one that was right before this. Um, I, I do want to ask you, Neil, talk about the city of Fort Myers and how you guys are running stuff today. I know it's a little bit different than in 05 when you had your, your other grab. Uh, so talk about what you get out of box alarm, who's doing searches now and, and uh, as an officer, what your plan is. Okay. Um, yeah, we talked about the first one, and that was back in 05, uh, so things were a lot different back then. Uh, I was a fireman, number one. Number two, we were just running our running the show differently. Um, now we've, we've, we've progressed. You know, we're uh, box alarms, um, standard, standard structure fire response. We're getting uh, three to four engines, a truck. Uh, a lot of times a rescue will come with two people on it, uh, battalion chief. Now we've just got a second battalion chief that we're running every day now, so now we'll get two battalion chiefs. So we've really filled these uh, these assignments out a lot, um, and it allows us to kind of um, you know give people specific jobs as opposed to before where you would be kind of a do everything kind of kind of department. You know, in the old days we were running three engines and a ladder, and you know a chief would show up, but you know that you kind of just did a little bit of everything. So now we're we're, we're kind of refining it so that you know fire attack is fire attack and search is search and stuff like that. Um, we still haven't quite got to the point where our trucks are doing the searches, uh, you know, truck straight up truck work. Uh, but we are making headway there. Um, sometime next year, they have plans to actually put captains on our ladder trucks, uh, which will bring us to a three person ladder truck and, uh, with an officer as opposed to just a driver and a firefighter, like we've always done it. So hopefully we're shooting for Marchish, I think they said, uh, that'll be fantastic. Then maybe we can start, uh, you know, pushing for truck work to be truck work. Um, but anyway, so that's what we got three, four engines, ladder, two battalions rescue. Um, you know, we're getting 15 ish people. So like that on there, um, it's working pretty good. So who's doing your searches then? Is it second do engine or? Who's yeah. Doing most this? of the time it's going to be second do engine. The, the trucks, you know, being that we only have two of them and they're not always both up and running, you can't rely on the, on the truck to get there early enough to do it. Uh, two of the stations do have the rescue trucks with the two people on it. And if they're in quarters or available or can bust off from what they're doing when the fire comes in, a lot of times they'll show up second or even first. And, uh, and uh, I was working for the last six years in a station that had a rescue. And the majority of the fires that we ran while I was there, the rescue would come. Um, and they will usually get there well before a second engine would. So we used them as search. Um, engine engine crew would be fire attack and the rescue guys would be searched. That was their deal. Um, you know, if they didn't show up, then it would fall back on second, second engine or, or truck. But majority of the time, the rescues would be pulling that at least on my side of town. Worked pretty good. So I know you teach search for your department, do that for the same thing for the fire Academy. And now you're a captain. How, how are you teaching your guys to do search? Are you doing oriented split search left hand, right hand, VES, what's in your toolbox? Well, uh, it depends a lot on what we, what we come up on, you know, um, zero visibility, then we're going to, we're going to try to do the oriented search. 
um, you know, you, most fires, as you know, you go through different levels of, of visibility. So, you know, unless you got smoke to the floor right at the front door, um, a lot of times we just try to get in there and see what we got. So, you know, we may, uh, if, if we can halfway see, uh, we'll, we'll kind of split off a lot of times and do split search. I'll send one, send the firefighter one way and I'll go the other, you know, maybe send him to the bedrooms and I'll get the main room. Um, and we'll meet back up in the, in the main room, that kind of thing. Um, you know, we're usually not out of earshot of each other, you know, in most of the houses and, and apartments we're running. So, you know, a, a quick yell and I can tell where they're, where they're at. Um, same with them hearing me. So it seems to work pretty good. Um, but we practice all of them so that, you know, depending on what we run across, we kind of know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't screw it all the way up. When you're working with a new guy compared to when you're working with a, a senior fireman that you've had for a while, how's that change as an officer for you? Oh, well, you, you know, the new guy, you're going to keep them a lot, a lot closer um, because, you know, they, they just don't tend to have the confidence um, that, a, that a more seasoned guy does. Um, it's, you know, it's, I got a funny little story about that. There's a guy who, uh, he told me this later. I didn't realize it happened at the time, but there was a guy that I worked with uh, on my shift who he, I, I was with him on our first fire. It was a, another small fire bedroom mattress caught on fire. And actually the neighbors put it out with a green line with a, with a garden hose. As we were pulling up, they had broke out a window and were spraying water in there, but it was enough that it smoked the house up pretty good. You know, how mattresses get. So we walk up to the front and I had been on a few good few years at that point. So I, I was pretty confident in these places of, of going in with zero visibility. Um, but he was right behind me and we went up to the front door and we walk in and I knew where the bedroom was. So I just kept going. I said, come on, let's go. And I, I walk in and, and, uh, got into the bedroom and did my thing and, you know, it was all done. And later on, he, he told me, he said, man, he said, it was weird. He goes, uh, so I never, never seen it before he obviously, but, uh, so we went in there and he goes, you just disappeared in the smoke. And I didn't know where you went. I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, I just stood there because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I try to remember that story whenever I got a new person uh, or someone that I know hasn't been in some fires that odds are when you put them in zero visibility, they're going to kind of freeze up and wait for direction and, and someone to lead them. So I, I try not to put those people on their own, you know? That's funny. I had a similar story a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I got to just flip my box light around backwards and just follow the light kid, follow the light. And if you, if the light goes away, just shout out and I'll stop. Uh, but that's pretty funny. Um, so take us back to the fire and let's talk about this one. Uh, so 2017, 2018 ish, what happened there? All right. Uh, this one, we were all in quarters, engine rescue in quarters. Uh, battalion chief was actually stopping by picking up the mail and, uh, dispatch a house fire in our first due area. Um, over on our uh, south side of town, uh, probably the furthest part of town away from where our second in engine or truck is going to be from. So uh, I knew we'd be operating alone for a few minutes. Um, so we all jump in. We head over there. Um, actually, let me let me rephrase. Let me back up. I make a mistake. I think the rescue truck might have been on another call, but they showed up second. So they probably weren't in quarters at the time. But uh, BC and engine show up together, right? So I give them a little size up. We had fire showing from the alpha side, blowing out a window, smoke coming out the front door. Pretty good fire going in this one. Um, you knew it wasn't small. Uh, you know, at least one room was already fully developed. Um, and uh, so we pulled up. Uh, it was a dead-end street, little cul-de-sac, dead-end street. Uh, BC wiggles in in front. 
Um, we jump out and uh, the mailman was there in the front yard. Um, and then there was a lady in, in, the neighbor's, in the neighbor's driveway and they're kind of just running back and forth. Um, at this point, it, it hadn't come in that it, there was anybody in it. Um, but the battalion chief, he goes up to the people in the neighbor's driveway and he said, hey, he said, can you tell me anything about this? Is anybody in there? And the lady that was over there, she said, yeah, my mom's in there. Um, so he yells to me, he said, hey, we got someone in there, reported someone in there. I said, where? I, I, she yelled, where, where? And, and the lady points at the front window. So I had already, uh, at that, I think maybe already given the guys the, the order, stretch line to the front door. Uh, it was kind of fortunate. We had a hydrant right there in the front yard, so the engine had just nosed up. Um, one guy stretches a line. The other guy's the backup guy. We had a four-person rig that day, um, which is kind of rare for us. We usually run three-person engines, but for some reason that day we had a four. Um, so I just told him real quick, I said, you guys get the line, I'm going in. And, uh, so they, I, as, as I'm asking up, they're stretching, um, get to the front door. I, I just went in. And since she pointed to the living room window, I went and I went left towards the living room. Um, visibility was nothing. I mean, you couldn't see anything in there. So I'm down on the ground. I'm just, you know, feeling around. I got nothing. Um, I get through the living room. I get back to the kitchen. I start searching the kitchen. Um, still nothing. At that point, I hear the fire, the fireman come in. Um, and he's, he's yelling back to the, to his backup man, you know, forward, forward, give me line. And he comes sliding in there really quick and slick. Um, and the fire was to the right down the hallway. Uh, it was a bedroom, three, like a three bedroom house, uh, and a bathroom, and at this point, fire was licking out of the hallway into the main room. So he comes in real quick with a line, puts a knock on the hallway, makes the turn, starts moving down, knocking down the hallway, uh, throws a little water sideways into the bedroom that was going real good. Um, I think we ended up having we ended up having the hallway, bathroom, bedroom, and then the other bedroom was starting to get it. Um, so that was that. But he's he's just lobbing water down. He shuts it down real quick and starts yelling. I shot in behind him to, to help him with line um, and the, while the backup guy was working the door. So I shot in behind him. I start pulling line and, and the nozzleman just kind of says, Hey cap. And he kind of like points down at the ground and I could kind of make out what he was doing. And I look and there's a person. So um, I yelled back to actually, I think I got on a radio announced that we had a victim and uh, the backup guy, he came flying in behind me real quick. And, uh, I grabbed, just did a quick grabbed arms, grab, I grabbed wrists and my backup guy grabbed me and out we went. And, uh, if you go back and you listen to the audio, I think this whole thing took two and a half minutes, something like that from arrival to uh, victim removal. Um, the unfortunate part of this one is that the, the poor lady didn't make it. She was, um, the, the fire had got her before we even had a chance to get in the house. Um, but, you know, the, the looking back on it, the the positives are that I don't think that anything we could have done differently would have changed that outcome. So I don't beat myself up about this one. Um, you know, you don't want to see anybody pass away, especially from fire. But there was nothing that I could have done different to make this to make this uh, change the outcome of that. Um, you know, we had been practicing, we'd been training. Uh, the nozzle guy was a, a newer firefighter, and we've been training like crazy with him over the, the last six, eight months, whatever that we've had him. Um, 
and, and just stretching lines every day, pulling lines, practicing searching, practicing flowing water. And he was getting pretty good at it. And, uh, but this, this was his first one. So it was kind of a, you know, kind of a big deal, you know, a, a pretty, pretty good fire and, and a victim at the same time for your first fire is, is, you know, as most, most guys know, it's kind of a big deal. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back at it, it, it went very, very well with the exception of the fact that we couldn't save her. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to link the audio to this one because I include the uh, audio in one of my search presentations and it's crazy fast. I think it was under two minutes from arrival to, to victim out. And there wasn't a whole lot of communication, radio communication on the fireside. EMS like to to talk, try to talk this thing out. But uh, you guys were were very disciplined. It seemed like when you when you ran me through this, uh, you know, you guys had done nozzle forward. The, just everything that you had done was pretty dialed in. Talk to me a little bit about the differences between your first fire and this fire. Oh man! Well, first fire it was. Uh... <laughs> the first grab was uh, a shoot from the hip type thing, you know, and like I told you in the last, uh, the last recording, I didn't, I've never really felt that good about how that one went. Um, even though they all lived, I didn't feel real good about the way that went. Um, it was just kind of uncoordinated and I didn't really have a good idea what I was supposed to do. Um, I didn't have a plan A or a plan B. I just kind of went with it. Um, but this time, this time we had a plan A, we had a plan B, you know, we had been practicing everything for years and uh you know you can tell you can definitely tell when it all comes together um you know when you when you got something dialed in and when you don't so you know the difference was uh you know i still probably wouldn't really like ideally i wouldn't have liked to have started my search alone but you know you sometimes you got to do what you got to do you know uh the even our rescue truck that showed up second was still still a few minutes behind us we i think we had the victim out before the rescue even showed up on scene so you know, we we were operating, just operating in in you know what what we would consider to be rescue mode. We have a, an SOP that's rescue mode when there's a known or or highly suspected victim rescue in a house, um, where it takes precedence all over all other things. Um, so you know that that was that. So the search was going better for me though than than it had in the past. Um, as the line came in. I knew how to jump on it and help him along. And, you know, the guy at the door knew what he was supposed to do. And I mean, there was, there was no hiccups with that stretch at all or the fire attack. Um, you know, it, it went so fast that you almost would miss it if you blinked. And, uh, you know, it, that was good. Um, the way the victim presented, you know, I just, it just took one, one look at it, felt what we had, just went with it, you know, feet first, head, head first, whatever. It ended up being a head first. So that was just how it went. Um, you know, that, that's really the difference is having a plan. In talking about having a plan, you and I, uh, along with a couple other guys, went to FDTN a few weeks ago and just got the crap kicked out of us. Yeah, um, that's put it nicely. Yeah, best class I've ever taken. It's fire combat if you get a chance to go up there and do it. Um, but the parallels between this fire and what we did up at fire combat, when you, when you dial in the skills and practice it, those skills aren't the variable. You can allow the scenario to actually have the variable so that uh, we didn't have any problems stretching at FDTN. You didn't nope. have any problems stretching here. Um, the searches were difficult, but we got them done. When you found a victim, we knew how to get them out. We didn't have to come up with a plan and we allowed the, the scenario to actually 
be the difficult part, not our skills. So okay. I commend you. It really seems like the parallel that you had your crew uh, really dialed in for this and, and gave them every chance. And you know, sometimes we can't do a lot about the outcome, but we always feel better if we're prepared for the fight that we were yeah. in. So that's um, right. Anything else you want to share about this grab or anything else you guys are doing? Uh, no, I can't really think of anything else. All right, Neil, I appreciate you sharing both the stories of the grabs. Um, if people want to get a hold of you to ask any questions or find out how you're teaching search at your department, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Um, well, uh, my phone's always on, but other than that, I got email and Graham city, Fort Myers, city, Fort Myers.com. Um, you know, always send me an email. I'll reply. Um, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, I, I, respond to text messages too but uh you, know, you, you can put my number out if you want grant with this all right, all right. Um, um but yeah i mean the only the only other thing i'd like to add just thinking about this before i sign off here is i want everybody to, to understand that this stuff is definitely a team effort um neither of these things happened because of me you know they they happened because of the, the group of people that i happened to be with whether it was you know whether it was ideal or not you know like if you know, if you go back to the to the 05 one uh the way we practiced and things we did it wasn't ideal but those people lived because of all the people that were there on scene if we wouldn't have had the good good firefighters in the front yard to receive those people and get them medical tr medical uh attention quickly could have turned out way differently um you know it, it's it's definitely a team so remember that guys, if you're in a place where, uh, you feel alone, just remember that you can't do it alone. You're going to have to drum up some support and some help and, and get some other people along with you for the ride. And, and when you're dialing in these skills, cause nobody can do this by themselves. Nobody can. Cool. Well, thanks again, Neil, for everything. If you make a grab or assist alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take the short survey. This information is for us, by us, and updated real time. If you want to share your story on Grab's podcast, reach out to me, uh, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ledeen. And until next time, thanks for listening. Oh,